0: Kirsten and Carl, thank you both very much for coming on the show today. I appreciate your time. And um, for the people who don't know what Wonder Lab Doozy Pots is, uh, could you both just introduce yourselves and tell the people a little bit about uh, your company?
1: Sure. So I am Kirsten Sutaria, the Chief of Curious Creation at uh, Wonder Labs Doozy Pots. We are a plant-based gelato company, and we are based in Cleveland, Ohio we make our gelatos with a blend of organic oat and hemp milk. Um, So we are first to the category in the plant-based space to be using hemp. And we think that ice cream is just a perfect vehicle to um, show people how delicious and nutritious hemp can be.
2: Awesome. And uh, I'm Carl Sutaria, uh, known as Chief Voice of Reason within uh, Doozy Pots. And that's uh, (laughs) largely because I used to be a lawyer, I'm a recovering lawyer. Um, <laughs> uh, and now I form, form the uh, second half of, of doozy pots Okay. Awesome. From my understanding in
0: the little bit of, in the research that I did, Kirsten, you were with Ben and Jerry's and that brought you to the UK. Yes. Okay. And that's where Car- you and Carl met.
1: Yep. So I, um, I studied food science in undergrad, um, started working for Unilever right out of graduation and. Grew up in Vermont, really lucked out um, and had the opportunity to go do product development for Ben & Jerry's, which growing up in the town where Ben & Jerry's is from and going on the factory tour a million times, seeing the kind of QA and R&D team there, I was like, wow, I want to make ice cream like that for my job when I grow up. Um, so I did uh, nine years of product development as a flavor guru at Ben & Jerry's Um and back in 2014, I hopped upon to go over to the Global Ice Cream Development Center for Ben and Jerry's to work on developing the plant-based line. Um, and then through a, a friend, a very old friend from Vermont who was, was living in London the, at the time, he knew Carl uh, through his sister and then I met Carl and the rest was history. And I, I think I really... Hooked him when I told him that my job was to to make and eat ice cream for a living.
2: <laughs> yeah, that really trumped my job of being a corporate tax lawyer. So <laughs> you know, Kirsten was the interesting one in the relation is the interesting one in the relationship, I should say. But uh, certainly at that time, it was uh, yeah, she was she was more fun when we went to parties and dinner you know dinners and stuff. Um, when when she told people about her job, that was usually the end of the end of everyone else speaking, and it was just her talking about the wonders of making ice cream.
0: Yeah, because I can imagine, I guess, a party conversation telling people that you're a tax lawyer wouldn't be the most popular answer. <laughs> never goes very well, yeah. I don't,
2: don't recommend trying it,
0: yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Okay, cool. Um, so that's nice. That's a nice uh, story there. So one of my questions, Kirsten, was going to be like, how, like, what got you into food science? But I think you kind of just answered it a little bit there. So as you were growing up and seeing kind of the firsthand behind the scenes, I guess you could say, of like the factory tours of Ben & Jerry's, is that what got you interested in then going to college and studying how to become a food scientist
1: pretty close yeah so i grew up in a foodie family before people said the word foodie um my parents owned restaurants my mom worked in the wine industry my dad did corporate product development um so as a at a young age my friends and my brother and i were um focus grouped at my house (laughs) for uh whatever products my my dad was working on from a a product development standpoint um really I've just loved food my whole life and then kind of seeing food in action like being able to I like always such a curious person and being able to see a factory sort of at its peak and how cool of a product and then knowing that you can have a, f- a food job and not work in a restaurant um, was really exciting to me. I love the restaurant business and I love hospitality, but it's not the most um, welcoming or forgiving industry to work in. Um, mm-hmm. So when I learned that you could kind of play with your food and create new food products, that's that's what got me hooked in. So I've um, I've been in the kitchen since I was probably three or four years old and it just seemed like a pretty natural thing to do
0: mm-hmm. yeah that makes sense from like an outside perspective and me not having any science background or anything like that when I when I think of like developing products for Ben and Jerry's that seems like a very interesting job in you know just trying different things and testing out different products and bringing things home and having Carl and, and your family test different things but a lot of it's like backed in in science and chemistry and how different compounds mix together right
1: Yeah. So ice cream is one of the most, if not the most complex product we eat. So it's a four phase solution. Uh, you have a water phase, you have a solute phase, you have a fat emulsified, you're holding air um, and you're also eating product that has three different states. So you have a solid state, you've got ice in there. Uh, You've got sugars in there. You have a liquid state and you also have a gas state. So it's just really complex, interesting food that we eat. Um, So there's a lot of physical chemistry uh, and physics that go into it from kind of thermodynamics to freezing point depressions, um, flavor development. You know, things taste different when they're frozen, how much fats and sugars are in there a really technical um I could probably talk about the science of ice cream for an hour but um (laughs) it's a fun and exciting product to work on and you know the Ben and Jerry's side of it like those pints are serious feats of engineering and part of my job as a flavor guru was to come up with like the most new and exciting flavors and (laughs) you know when you're making six pints by hand that's one thing but when you need to scale it up and make sixty thousand pints in a day you know you've got people who are engineers you have your product developers and then you have your guys in the factory that you work with all the time and they're like oh my god i cannot believe you're trying to put this combination of chunks and swirls and ice cream into this thing and you want to do it at 200 pints a minute um yeah it's there's there's some serious like science and engineering that goes into it and and my job which I still do now is like coming up with a concept and then figuring out like the legwork to make that concept go from like, yeah, we made six pints in a kitchen to we're going to make 60,000 pints and they're going to go in some cases across the entire world. Um, Mm. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, you're giving me more appreciation for for ice cream and, and frozen products in general. Right? It's like <laughs> boom. Yeah. I've never thought that much into it, but it's like, yeah, I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot going on there. Um, okay. So I'm curious, like, at what point in or I guess just at what point did hemp kind of stand out to you in in that process? Was it at Ben and Jerry's or was it growing up in Vermont? You just knew always the benefits of hemp, or kind of how did how did all that start?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, I've known about hemp in all of its forms. Uh, I would say probably in, you know, fifth grade in the 90s, when it was cool to wear a hemp necklace, that was probably my first foray into hemp. And then being a teenager in Vermont, you learn about hemp in its various forms. Um, But as part of my job doing product development, a lot of that is sort of looking at trends, identifying trends, um, doing ingredient research. So plant-based sort of became popular. And I, I developed a plant baseline for for Ben and Jerry's and then went on to um, work for a company in London called Innocent Drinks who do smoothies, juices, plant milks. Um, and in some of my sort of trend research and ingredient research, got really interested in the nutritional and sustainability benefits of hemp as a food. Um, started learning more. This was kind of 2017, learning more about, Um, my first question was why is no one using this? And then I quickly realized, well, it's illegal to grow and, you know, you can use it, but there's actually no supply chain for functional hemp ingredients. So, but I looked at something like pea protein, which when I first started using it in 2013 was like a pretty fringe ingredient. There were a couple suppliers that did it. It didn't taste great. It was not that functional. Um, And looking at the last nine years of the pea protein industry, I was really like, hey, hemp could be right up there with it if it sort of got brought to the forefront. So I got so excited about hemp and its nutritional benefits, which I thought would translate really well to functional benefits to make ice cream with. Um, Told Carl about it, who at that point was practicing law, and he's... um, He's very curious, but he's very curious in a different lawyerly way, which is <laughs> I'm going to do research and poke holes in all of your arguments where I'm like, I'm going to do research and figure out why this is so cool. Yeah. Um, so I, I told Carl, I was like, I don't know. I was At this point I was working at Innocent Drinks, making um, juices and smoothies. And I was like, I think I want to quit my job and I just miss ice cream. And I really think we should start a hemp ice cream business and He was like oh yeah cool okay okay
2: (laughs) yeah safe to say i wasn't immediately convinced uh but i knew she knew her stuff um and i did my you know what i'd be trained trained been trained to do as a lawyer and went away and, and uh did as much research as i could um and i was i was kind of blown away by both hemp's um potential as a food ingredient and in terms of its application in ice cream, because of its functionality uh, and its nutrition, but also because of the sustainability side of it, that's a topic I'd always been interested in. At the time, I was kind of getting really interested in um, things like renewable energy and, and really thinking about how to um, uh, how to make the world a better place uh, on that front. And mm-hmm. um, and I was really impressed with what I could what I learned about um, hemp sustainability credentials. So. I thought, you know what, this, this she's really onto something here. And then there was the whole. At the time, there was the movement in the US to uh, to legalize, you know, growing hemp, um, which was a big deal uh, through the farm bill, um, and and so we kind of started thinking seriously about, wow, that's that's going to be an interesting time once it's able to grow there, and and you know, there's going to be a renaissance of, of of hemp use in the US. Mm-hmm. Um, as we were talking uh, just before we came on air, um, you know, it's got such a an amazing history, both in the US and worldwide, in terms of all of its applications. Um, so it felt like a pretty exciting time, and it felt like it had really direct applicability to the kind of product that Kirsten knows how to make really well, um, and you know fits into to a lot of trends at the moment. So I was, yeah, instead of uh, instead of poking holes in, it, I was like, you know what, let's do this. This is great. <laughs> um, you know, with, this is the time to jump and 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 take the leap, and and we think we can create something really cool. So. Uh, so off we went.
0: Yeah, it, that's interesting. Cause it is that, that is like the perfect time to have been doing that research with the farm bill passing in 2018. It's like, if, if there was ever a time to do this, like it, it makes sense now. Kind of just, like you said, like the Renaissance of hemp is, is kind of coming back and so was, was moving back to the States part of like the business plan for, for wonder lab or how did, how did you guys go from, from the UK back to the States?
1: Yeah, we had looked at um, kind of looked at where we we wanted to go, and the the U.S. has a larger addressable market. Um, there's a very there are some different price dynamics on how grocery works in the U.K. Um, Brexit had a little bit of an impact. Um, a lot of people say like, oh well, if you're in the U.K., then you have an entire market within Europe for ice cream. Um, but every country within Europe has very different consumption habits. Mm. Um, The U.S. is a very in-home ice cream consumer, meaning um, pints and tubs and quarts, you just bring them home and you eat them. Europe and the U.K. is a very out-of-home market, um, meaning you stop at a corner shop and you get something on a stick or a bar um, or an ice pop. And it's just a very different dynamic. So we thought coming back to the U S there's just a, a bigger opportunity there. And it's a little, you have a bigger addressable market um, that all speaks one language for the most part. Um, mm-hmm. You've got some national retailers. So we just thought, let's, you know, move from, make the obvious move and move from London to Cleveland, <laughs> which we did yeah. in, in 2019 <laughs>
2: And and also it was it was, you know, there was an element to do with the the excitement around hemp in the in the US as we discussed, um, you know, was palpable at that time. So I think we also thought that was a that was a particularly interesting angle. Um, there was more excitement in the US than there was in the UK about hemp as a crop. Um, it was probably more closely tied to the country's history and, and there we saw some exciting things happening uh around that. So we thought that was you know, that would be a good place to be. Um Set this business up, as well as what Kirsten discussed in terms of the um, the addressable market for for plant based foods and plant based ice creams in particular.
0: Yep, yeah, that makes sense. I actually just saw. So I'm in Massachusetts, and there's a new um, the adult use cannabis and recreational cannabis is legal in Massachusetts, and there's a new infused ice cream company actually, uh, mm-hmm. that puts THC into their ice cream. So that's, that's kind of new. Uh, I haven't seen much of that on, on the regulated cannabis side of things, but, um, maybe future collaboration ideas with uh, major cannabis brands or something. Um, to take a couple steps back, like what is it about hemp, uh, whether it nutritional or kind of chemically that makes it a great, uh, product or additive for uh, plant-based gelato?
1: Yeah, so we use hemp um, to replace the the dairy fats and protein that you would find in a regular dairy ice cream. We use um, a blend of organic hemp heart oil, uh, hemp protein, whole oat flour and water and a little bit of cocoa butter to um, make our kind of heavy cream hemp base. And it has a really good amino acid profile. So those um, proteins help to emulsify um and they also have a great nutritional profile and then a lot of plant-based ice creams and regular dairy ice creams are very high in saturated fat especially plant-based ice creams um most of them use coconut cream or coconut oil which actually isn't if you think about coconut oil it's solid at room temperature so when it's frozen it's actually like quite heavy on the palate um so hemp oil being much lower in saturated fat and has a, a good blend of healthy fats allows for sort of a cleaner eat and your flavors to pop a little bit more. Um, and then from a sustainability angle, um, you know, we're not using oils coming out of Asia. Uh, we're not using, um, we, we can use um, less inputs for hemp, Um, So you're not using nuts. It's allergen free. There's just ranging from a sort of nutritional standpoint to a sustainability standpoint. um, And from a chemical physical standpoint, hemp was really just kind of an optimal seed ingredient for us to use. And I think um, there are a few brands now that are using things like sunflower oil or canola oil in their ice cream. So kind of moving to that lower saturated fat. And um, I think hemp, can compete right up there. Our biggest challenge was because hemp wasn't allowed to be grown until a couple of years ago, there was literally no supply chain. So like, yeah, you could grow it, but that doesn't just immediately turn on an entire supply chain for very functional food ingredients. Um, So it's been very interesting and uh, very heartening to see those types of supply chains grow. Um, It's, still very nascent, uh, there's a ways to go to, to be able to kind of compete with some of those bigger kind of industrial crop oils, but getting there. And I think it's, it's making delicious products like this that really help, you know, the more people that are making foods with hemp and the more people learn that, you know, our goal is to bring hemp out of the dusty back corner of, of your local health food store um and make it front and center and we initially started out as a hemp-based foods company and we very quickly realized that we needed to be more of a plant-based food company that uses hemp um because there's quite a few hurdles for using hemp in foods right now
0: okay yeah let's let's dive into some of those because the the way that i found out about your product in the first place was when I was making kind of just like news aggregate videos of taking the headlines from the hemp and cannabis space uh, from the week and making a recap video, I came across an article that highlighted some of the difficulties that you've had running ads on. I think the article specifically called out Facebook and mentioned, you know, your packaging, I think used to have hemp right on the packaging and there was, some ads that weren't being allowed to be run because of the use of hemp, even though it's not even CBD, it's just hemp oil. Um, so yeah, go into some of the details around kind of what those, um, barriers looked like and, and what led you to the, to the decision to kind of transition to more plant-based instead of hemp based.
1: Carl, you want to take that?
2: Yeah. I mean, I can start with that. I think, um, it was, it was, um, It was, yeah, it was Facebook's policy in this particular instance, the article you're talking about saying, you know, picking up the word hemp in the image, um, or if you use the word hemp in text in the ad ad itself, and saying this is a drug because it's hemp and hemp is CBD or hemp is cannabis and it's all one big, it's all one, you know, thing. And we we can't distinguish between hemp seeds, uh, which is what we use in our product, um which is a food you know food grade safe product that's been sold and consumed in the u.s for decades and is has a legal basis for being sold in the u.s i think there was a court case back in 2002 um that basically made it it gave the stamp of approval federally for hemp food products to be sold and consumed in the country um but facebook's policy decided not to just differentiate between that and the more kind of gray area around uh cbd And ingestible CBD in particular, Um, and that's where it gets even more confusing because I think if your product was a CBD product that was topical, i.e., something you apply on the skin, it was fine. But if it was a CBD product that was ingestible, it wasn't fine. We're not a CBD product, but we are ingestible, and Facebook's (laughs) policy didn't couldn't tell if you know couldn't tell that, couldn't distinguish that. So okay. Yeah, it's just it was just a mess, and they, you know, trying to get in touch with someone at Facebook and 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 talk about it, you know, there's just a you just get like automated answers, um, and it's frustrating because as a young brand, you know, love it or or, or not, Facebook marketing um, through Facebook itself and Instagram is a big part of of creating some awareness, especially when you've got you know limited funds, um, and so that was that really felt unfair to us that other brands could talk about you know why they were using a almond. Nut base or a cashew base or coconut or whatever, uh, but we couldn't talk about one of the stars of our product. Um, so that was that was a real challenge, um, and it's, it's still a challenge. I think um, we did we did decide to take hemp off the packaging so that we could use photos of the product in our ads um, to start off with. I think you know, hopefully, at some stage we'll be able to add it back in. Um, you know, we haven't had any direct communication with Facebook on the matter yet. Um, you saw the article. There are other brands that are experiencing uh, the same issues, so we're kind mm-hmm. of in the background. We're kind of getting together to try and uh, change policies like that. Um, and then in, in other areas, we've run into. I mean, to give an example, as a local um, local grocery train who has um, who took over a couple of stores locally that are pretty. Hip and trendy and progressive, and sell some hemp products in there, um, and we're keen to bring the ice cream in. Um, but because they got taken over by this bigger, um, more sort of conventional grocery store, um, when we try to submit our product, they just said, "No, we, we're not taking any hemp products right now. We just, we just don't understand it. We don't get it, and it's just not something we're going to do." Um, so you know that's obviously a challenge, um, and uh, and we also had to help. Um, educate the Ohio Department of Agriculture about what hemp was and why it was being used in foods, and how that was different to uh, CBD and other kind of um, other applications of hemp that are more grey in terms of uh, in terms of legal status. So they also admitted, you know, when they first got up and running, that they didn't really know what hemp was in terms of its use in food, um, and so we had to have a conversation with them and and effectively educate them and they were open to learning to give them credit um, and effectively help, help them understand what, you know, why hemp was okay to use in foods. Um, so that was also, you know, a challenging time for a minute. They, for a minute there, they said, uh, yeah, you can't make that. You can't, uh, you know, you can't make ice cream with hemp in it. Nope. Stop what you're doing. Uh, <laughs> and like, we are like, cool. Them, we just oh, moved here.
1: Had,
2: <laughs> yeah. And we had to tell them, we had to tell them, look, no, we can't, look, you know, we've, we've, We've looked into this. We know we can. Yeah. Um and here's why. Yeah. And they kind of went, "Oh. Yeah, I guess so, but we also don't understand what this is all about." So so can you tell us? So we Yeah, it's but that's you know in a, in a way that's part of the fun too. Well, not always fun, but it's part of the fun um for us to help educate people on 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 what hemp is in its many forms and in particular why it's great in food and why it's great to eat. Uh, And then specifically for us, obviously, why it makes a great, delicious plant-based ice cream. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. It seems like any company doing anything in the hemp space right now, education needs to be a a part, like an aspect that you're focusing on uh, in terms of your just sales process. Because there's so many people like that who are just like, oh, eating hemp, like, uh, what is that? Like, I'm not going to go eat a plant. Material or, or whatever it might be, you know. Um, I've been doing just like random pop-ups where I'll just have industrial hemp products, and I'll go to a park or a dispensary in Massachusetts, and um, I have a bag of, of hemp seeds from a company based out of Texas, Cousin Hemp. And I was surprised at how many people are just like surprised that you can eat hemp seeds, and ah, it's like you can eat so many even, different even, types of seeds,
2: <laughs> even in a, even in a dispensary. So if you, you're talking about like a cannabis dispensary, you'd go there, and people would still be surprised about. Being able to eat hemp. Yeah. Yep. Seeds. Uh, that's really interesting. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Well, that just, that exactly, that just shows you, um, that just served you both, I think, some of the educational challenges you have, but also the scale of potential, the opportunity, because I feel like that person in the cannabis store is going to be like, wow, I can eat hemp seeds and they're great for me for this other reason. Wow. That's so cool. Like, you know, I can use cannabis from the store in one way and I can use, you know, what is effectively cannabis seeds in a different way. Um, to enjoy, you know, to enjoy eating—that's cool. Um, so that's, I think, that's an opportunity for us too. So I think they they go hand in hand, right? You educate people as much as you can, and then that that also opens opens the door to opportunities to convert people to uh, to customers and, and fans.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, hundred um, percent. I'm surprised that this is the first frozen treat product, I guess you'll say, that has hemp in it. And it's not just temp oil. So there's obviously, like we like we spoke before, there's a lot of science and uh, technical know-how and ability that you have, Kirsten, that was able. That made you able to kind of create a good product that I'm assuming tastes good. I haven't been able to try it yet. I uh, I gotta get I, you some. Yeah, I plan to. Uh, you know, I I have some trips planned later this year, and I was oh, cool. looking on your website and like co- like corresponded with. I'm gonna be in some places uh, like New Mexico and California that that you guys. Yeah, have Yeah, great. Some well, tell, make
2: sure you tell us when you when you when you're headed there. We'll get you some. uh, You know, we'll get you some some cool stuff and, and make sure you get to try it. Awesome. So yeah, we'd love to know what you think. Yeah. Cool. Um, <laughs> and just, just to pick up on what you just said, what's cool is that you know we're not we're not forcing hemp into the ice cream. It's there because it's it makes sense for a great tasting product. Mm. Um but it also makes sense from a positioning perspective against what else is in the market, because as Kirsten described earlier, you have all, all the coconut based products, nut based products. Um, and the use of the hemp really allows us to have something that's equally as delicious, or more delicious, we think. But you know that's subject to to uh, uh, to you know people tasting it and thinking about it. But um, it, it helps us tap into a lot of things that customers want in the plant based space, which is you know s- sustainable ingredients um, and avoiding. Uh, nuts, avoiding, you know, allergens, all those types of things. We can do that, but still have a delicious tasting, uh, product at the end of the day. So, so that's, what's cool about it is that it's really, we kind of found the sweet spot if you like, of, of what hemp can do and then a great application for it, where it made a lot of sense, um, based on its attributes.
1: We've Mm -hmm. got a decent moat. So I'm on like, I don't know, round 50 of recipe testing, Um, it's a really interesting ingredient to work with. I think it's such a new supply chain. Um, and also the legal and regulatory gray area, the bigger guys haven't touched it. Um, so, Mm. and you can even see that with like the ingredient supplier. So like I've seen some recent acquisitions of like chickpea protein suppliers and pea protein suppliers and all the big guys want a piece of that. And no one's really invested in hemp yet. Um, It impacts your banking, it impacts your insurance and any of the big guys who have like the R&D know-how on sort of like ingredient processing that might supply some of the other big companies. No one's, really touched it um so for better or worse we're definitely the first mover um which is challenging at times just i mean i remember the first round of products i made in 20 probably 2017 2018 um you know we needed a hemp heart oil and all that was out there with whole hemp oil and that's green and it's very green in color and in flavor and in aroma And it created for like a pretty snotty product (laughs) and it was very hemp tasting and the color wasn't nice. And Mm. um, I really spent over a year just trying to figure out like, is there a commercial supply chain here that can actually supply me with ingredients to make a product that tastes great? Um, So there's been thousands of hours spent on that. Tons of time spent on R&D. So we definitely have a little bit of a head start. Like we're um, out there with a machete clearing a path. Um, And yeah, the hope is at some point, like someone, more big people will catch on to the fact that hemp is a great ingredient. And I I think a really good example of a company that's done it at scale, but doesn't talk about it is Elmhurst Milks. So they do plant milks. Um, their barista milk has hemp cream in it. Their creamers have hemp cream in it. And I don't really talk about it because the level of education and how unaware consumers are of what hemp is and that you can eat it and it can be delicious. Yeah, maybe 5% of our consumers are so stoked to buy a hemp product. Yep, I'm on the on. other 95% are like, <laughs> Why would I eat that? That's gross. Hemp is rope. Hemp is bags, and you know, sails, and building materials. And yeah. why would I eat it? Um, which is an interesting thing to do as you're starting a brand, and you're like, "Yeah, hemp is so amazing," and I'm so excited to like be part of the future. And then everyone's like, "What are you talking about? Like, <laughs> this is nuts." Um, and there are, you know, there are companies who are who are out there doing some. Great things but it's like being that first mover totally on your shoulders to to educate anything from retail buyers to customers to media outlets and PR opportunities um we're out there shouting about it and you know some people are incredibly passionate and interested and the rest of them are like what are you talking about Mm.
2: oh and, and there's and there's you know there's the middle there's the middle of people who are kind of ambivalent about it. They don't necessarily, they're not, you know, passionate about it. They're not, they don't particularly think about it as something that's awful, but they just don't know why it's in, why it would be in food and what it's doing there. So I guess what's interesting is depending on who we're talking to, you know, we might not mention hemp that much um, depending on the audience um, Mm -hmm. who we're speaking to, which we might, you know, we'll talk about the benefits within the product that using the hemp gives us in terms of being super sustainable, um, you know, allergen free, uh, no such very low saturated fat content. So we'll talk about those things, but we won't necessarily lead with the hemp aspect. You know, we'll talk about the attributes that we think matter to people who are buying these products. Um, and then just having hemp in there, you know, that's in the background uh, for a lot of people. And that's fine. You know, that's, that's a good way to, to, to get hemp into, into, again, is matching hemp with places using it in places where it really makes a better product to what's out there in the industry or market already and i guess that's what we're that's what we think we're we're doing so um but then there then there are other people like on this show where we can talk about the hemp and we we're very excited to do that and then people do um you know when we find someone who's really into hemp that's always great because we know that's a sam dunk you know customer for us so um and then that's really exciting. And then we, you know, have the conversation about hemp and all the million ways you can use it and why it's just such a cool crop and all of that stuff. And, and we love that. But that's not always what we lead with. Um, and that that's okay, you know, um, as long as it's doing its job in the, in the product.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, that makes sense. Like there's a risk that, um, that you're taking using hemp, but it's not just like for a gimmick to use hemp because it doesn't even right. really provide... The, the 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 name hemp and saying that oh this is a hemp based ice cream doesn't really provide that much value it's like the real benefit of using that product that it you know it makes your product better because you're using hemp and so it's like exactly. um, yeah. like BMW is using hemp fiber in some of their panels they don't talk about yep. it they you nope. will not see any release from BMW saying yeah our we're making panels out of hemp it just performs better so that's why they're yep. using it because yep. Like people exactly. don't care. Like I care, <laughs> yeah. but I'm the minority. <laughs> the yeah. 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 No, yeah, that's like, totally right. It's, it's interesting because, uh, it's, it's, you know, even something that like, regardless of what the product is with hemp, I, I get in like my echo chamber too much where I'm just like, I'm so passionate about the plant and anything that is incorporating hemp. Like I want to try it and I want to see what it's like. Um, that's not the majority of people like, to sell a bunch yeah. of ice cream you need to make a great product And plant-based diets are, are a lot more popular so th- you're obviously appealing to a, a much wider uh, population there just going that route um so it's kind of like a i guess the facebook advertising issues were kind of like a blessing in disguise maybe kind of just um <laughs>
2: they have to find other creative ways of talking about the product yeah 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 um for sure but uh, on the hand it would be cool to be able to also talk about that um for sure so we we that's still on the list of things to get to get fixed and we found we found workarounds for it or i should say specifically kirsten's found workarounds for it so um yeah
1: yeah. it's in the early days getting the account shut down or getting your you know automated message from facebook that's like you stop trying to sell class a's on facebook and i'm like it's ice cream (laughs) it was crazy and it's you know, they, you get dinged by a bot, it's not a person, and then you mm-hmm. can finally get to a person, and they're like, yeah, we know, but we've got bigger fish to fry, and it's like, actually, like, we're here, and we want to tell people about this, and it's challenging to not tell people about it, because we've put so much work into it, and um, there are government officials out there who, who have an interest in turning hemp into a great domestic crop and it's got potential but like these silly hurdles aren't helping anybody they're not helping the farmer and there's that kind of chicken and egg piece of well the farmer needs demand to grow it but the people need the farmer to grow it and then like unless you've got those middle people to process it the people like us who want it can't really get it in the form that we so there's just this with dance of like you know how do you build an industry um and it would help to be able to freely talk about said industry and i think cbd and the loophole of being able to call cbd hemp oil didn't do hemp foods any favors mm. um it was great for CBD companies in 2019 to just call CBD hemp oil or full spectrum hemp oil, but then when you say on your back a pack, you know we make use hemp oil. Um, it's like nope, that's the that's the other hemp oil. So yeah. whoever whoever gave kale the glow up that it's gotten, please send them our way. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so it's interesting. So you've, I mean, starting in 2017. So in 2017, you're still in London. Seeing like what the supply chain is like for the various inputs that you might use for a product. Were you looking just in, in England or were you looking like, all right, what does the supply chain look like in the United States globally or?
1: Globally. So started looking in the end of 2017, found some at still at this point, it wasn't even, you know, legal to grow unless it was under a research grant. So found a couple like got in touch with victory Hemp and they were like, yeah, we're trying to do this. And, um, very quickly realized that that wasn't like a commercialized thing. So I've, I've worked with the victory team and, you know, talking about like, as a product developer, if I'm looking for a hemp ingredient, this is what we need. Um, gotcha. And then 2018 went to the Institute of Food Technology Conference in Chicago, where there's ingredient suppliers and um, trying to see if anybody's doing anything with hemp and um, found some people to work with. Also looked in the UK, there's a company called Good Hemp, um, who makes a really great hemp cream um, out of hemp hearts, but that has to be frozen. So shipping cases of frozen hemp cream across the ocean not a viable situation Mm. uh for a lot of reasons so it yeah it was 2018 was really the year of like figure out how to source ingredients and then figure out how to make a product that is sort of tastes great um our product today versus our product then is like a whole other Ball game. I think it tasted good then but I think we're now you know into into a phase of of greatness um nice. the, and we've learned a lot about you know introducing people to hemp and the flavors that come with it and how do people feel about it I think there's some there must be some sort of taste receptor that some people have turned on versus off because some people say, oh, I really noticed the hemp in this. And other people are like, I can't believe this isn't dairy. Hmm. Um, and it's not a green hemp taste at all. It's nutty. Occasionally it can be mildly kind of astringent. But often we find on the first bite, people might notice some taste from yeah. the hemp. Um, second bite, you just pick up all the other flavors. And it's it's very person-to-person specific, which has been really interesting to learn for sure.
0: Yeah, that is interesting. Cause I mean, one of like, I've had the hemp proteins that, you know, are really green and they don't taste good. Like, I think that's no. been one of the barriers to further adoption of, of hemp foods in general. Cause I mean, then when we get into other products that just want to utilize hemp protein, it's like, that's the only protein that they have access to. So now their whole, whatever it is that they're trying to make tastes like this, really just like really green tasting protein and there's better options out there like there's better plant-based protein options that were out there um and so i haven't had anything with, with I, I was just at noco in colorado a couple months ago and a lot of people were talking about um, the advancements that that victory has made specifically in that space of kind of uh a hemp protein with pretty much no flavor And i haven't specifically tried it but so it's good to see like and that's what i keep saying too it's like people like you kirsten who have food science backgrounds and material scientists and people like that's what we need to really progress the hemp space forward it's like we need smart people to make hemp stuff better like it has all the potential we just need those um people to to have an interest in it and kind of realize the potential of it so I'm um, I'm glad that that you put the work in and constantly are doing R and D and Carla I'm sure you get to appreciate a lot of that.
2: <laughs> on oh, I basis. do. Yeah, <laughs> yep. That's my other job, chief taster, which uh, yes. is the best job in the world. <laughs> as I you can, can imagine. imagine. <laughs> yeah. Although, yet, although when when Kirsten left for a trip the other day, what time did he leave? Sometime in the morning, and uh, we were trying we were trying ice cream at, like for breakfast basically. So, uh, you know, um, I won't say that that's a tough. Part of the job, but uh, yeah. you know it's uh, cheap taste. It's a hazard of the job. Perfect. It's a, a hazard, hazard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> That's. Funny.
1: I will say, be glad it's ice cream. My first job out of college was working on frozen savory meals, and having um, a broth supplier come in at nine o'clock in the morning, and they're showing you how they make chicken broth or clam broth, and then you're tasting samples at nine a.m. I would pick ice cream a million times over, um, oh, yeah. no matter what time it needs to be over a <laughs> clam broth tasting.
0: <laughs> I could see why you eventually landed at Ben & Jerry's too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. Something I'm just starting to see again now is in grocery stores, like product sampling. So mm. I wanted to ask, obviously, you both got the company started right before COVID pandemic uh, gets started what was that like in the early days trying to launch a food brand dealing with all the repercussions of the pandemic?
1: Yeah, we, we launched six months before COVID, uh, which was great. We were in store, we were demoing, we were teaching people in Ohio about plant-based foods and hemp-based foods and, um, I had really great success with demos and then COVID shut that off. I like think we were in a, doubly unfortunate situation in that we couldn't fully advertise online and we also couldn't really sell online. Uh, Shipping ice cream is a bit challenging and can be very expensive. Um, Add in vaccines being shipped on dry ice and dry ice shortages. Um, Sort of a perfect storm of not a great business to launch at the beginning of COVID. we did see retail upticks and, you know, people buying ice cream at home, which was great. Um, but it really allowed us to kind of buckle down and, and focus on what we were doing and do some R&D. And then we had a, a great opportunity actually come out of a, a canceled trade show where we were able to pitch online. And, and that's how we ended up getting into Sprouts. Um, and that took, about a year from our first chat with them to to getting on shelves. So we ended up taking that year to kind of scale up, figure out our co-packing situation. Um, and then we've just started a couple months ago, getting back in out in the wild and, and sampling in, in markets like LA and San Diego and Denver.
0: Nice. That's awesome. So with a uh when you're trying to get into these larger chains, is it, do they typically, will they do like a test like in one location before they roll it out nationwide? Or how does that typically work?
2: So normally they will, um, they will just have you send samples into their, um, into them directly into the buyers directly. So they'll, they'll test it in-house. You know, buyers at grocery stores obviously taste a lot of products. So they feel like they have a pretty good handle on what they think is good and what isn't um some some are probably better than others but um but they'll usually bring it in and they'll they'll taste it with the whole room of colleagues and 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 that kind of thing they don't usually do individual store tests um as far as i know i think it depends on the product maybe for something like ice cream is a bit more challenging to do um some other uh products might be more suitable for that kind of thing but generally they won't do that um and it's it's it can be a challenge just you know, if a, if we're pitching to a store in California and we need to ship them ice cream for you know a one store test type thing, that's really expensive to do. Obviously, for that kind of opportunity, we probably would do it, but it's mm-hmm. um, but it's not yeah, it's not not usual practice. It's usually just the buyers that will taste uh, taste things. They'll look at you know they'll look at other data. They'll look at the data of of your sales in other stores um, and that kind of thing, and then they'll just make a kind of gut judgment on on whether to bring it in or not. And when they, if they give the approval, then, then it's all, uh, all focused on logistics of how to get it there, um, to their warehouse and and that kind of thing. So that's, that's kind of how the process works.
0: Gotcha. And so right
2: now, is it just you two kind of handling
0: all aspects of the business?
2: Yep, we wear a lot of hats. Um, wow, so, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, just just us to uh, managing all the different parts of the business, which is which is great because it gives such variety to our to our days, and we learn, you know, so much, which is which is great to be able to do. Uh, and then, for obvious reasons, is also a challenge, and sometimes you feel like you're never doing anything particularly well because you're trying to cover so many areas. So, um, I think that that will. Hopefully, fingers crossed. If this year keeps going in the direction it's going, which is a positive direction, um, you know, we'll, that that'll change and we'll be able to bring on um, some team members, and, and that will really help us grow. Awesome, that's exciting. And so,
0: in a if in the near future, when I'm at a Sprouts or a different store that carries your products, on the shelf, pricing in line with all other plant based products.
2: Yeah, I think we we sit we sit pretty well in the set of, of uh, plant-based ice creams where we're at six ninety nine on most shelves, most Sprout shelves and most other shelves that we're on. Um, and that's definitely towards the, what you call the premium end, but not, but you know, not, we're not, um, we're not the most expensive one in the, in the set. Um, and compared to, you know, the really big, bigger players in the set, we're only 50 cents or a dollar more than they are. Um, cool. So that's a, I think that's a pretty good place to be. Obviously right now, um costs of everything are going up, some brands are raising their prices. Um it, it, so that's a challenging time. We might end up being exactly the same as even some of the bigger brands who could who, you know, used to price their products lower and now might raise their prices. Um so it kind of depends how that all plays out. But but yeah, we we we're not, you know, some you're not paying double just to have a hemp ice cream or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And that was that was something that that you know having someone like kirsten um or kirsten specifically in this case um <laughs> uh, to help us to help us set up from the get-go with a supply chain that meant that we we would be able to price properly she knew she knew how to do that um and i think a lot of a lot of new food business owners um uh, struggle with that because because that's obviously not their area of expertise they might come from another another background and 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 they, there's a rude awakening when they get to the stage where they have to make you know a lot of product and they need to they if they try to use the ingredients they use to make a small kind of local farmers market version, you're not going to be able to to meet the meet the pricing that the grocery stores need, and, and you're going to be way more expensive on the on shelf. So, mm. um, so that was that we we knew from the start that we'd be able to price it at you know what was a reasonable price, um, and we want to be accessible. And like most other businesses, the more we grow, um, we should be able to gently reduce that price as we grow, that's, that would be great because as we open up into more uh, different types of store, um, we'd, we'd love to be able to do that and make, make a hemp-based, uh, uh, plant-based product available to as many people as possible.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. When it comes to like the sales process, are you, is it a lot of trade shows or is it, um, like reaching out to, to buyers from, from regional chains or how does that all work?
1: Yeah, mix of a mix of both. I'm very strategic with the trade shows. Um, we are tiny and bootstrapped, and don't like unless we know we we want to talk to a lot of buyers. A, a trade show can be um, very expensive, mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, so right now, you know, being very strategic of what retailers we want to go into what markets are very receptive to this type of product and what retailers really align with our mission of being better for you, plant-based organic. Um, and you know, Carl's really helped put together a great sales strategy of, um, where to next, how do we support the accounts that we're in? It's crazy. We we've, we've spent some time in, um, Sprouts and Erewhon and Jimbo's Naturally and down in San Diego. And they will be in the store sampling and people are like, wow, this is, this is really good. Do they sell this here? And you're like, oh, my God, like we're in the store sampling the product. <laughs> and there's still so. <laughs> no awareness of this this brand. And it, it's often coming from people who shop that door probably on a weekly basis. Oh, I've never seen this before. It's like, it's an eye level in the middle of the door of the category <laughs> you're shopping on a weekly basis. So yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, we're just, you know, in that point of of really trying to build brand awareness and and talk about the product and make people like, Hey, you're a Sprouts shopper, try this new product. And, and Carl's really, really built a strong um, sales strategy to help us kind of build build brand awareness within the retailers and with customers in our key markets.
2: Yeah. And I think for us, for a small brand, it's, um, I think you want to try and avoid going too broad too quickly. Um, you want to stay fairly narrow and and focused on increasing sales sales in the accounts you already have before you start trying to go add more accounts, more customers. Um, because if you're not, if you don't have that, you know, sell through in the store, um, you're firstly at risk of um, of the store removing you at some point, point. Um, and then of course that will make it more difficult to get more customers <laughs> on that basis. Um, and also, then of course you're not you're just not selling that well. So I think I think we've got we've got a great footing now. Um, and Sprouts were were um, a, a company that really backed hemp. Uh, they've they were really and bullish on hemp um, uh, hemp foods and bringing in brands that used hemp. Um, so that was great for us. So we feel like we've landed in a good place. And now it's up to us to really prove that we can sell well in there. And as Kirsten was just saying, um, and it's not the cu- it's not the consumer's fault that, you know, it's, it's, it's just there's so many brands in the freezer or on the shelf. It's really hard for someone to notice a new brand, especially during um, the pandemic when most people obviously didn't want to linger in grocery stores and try and discover new things. Um, they were just in and out buying what they knew and 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 not paying attention to anything else on the shelf. Um, you know, for, 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 for good reason. So, um, so it's, it's been great that we're able to do the demos again, as Kirsten said, and get the product into people's hands. Um, and then I think there is, there are things we can do with other companies using hemp in foods, um, to kind of band together and create some awareness out of store, um, and in store where, where we sell alongside other brands that use hemp, um, we can band together and, and start talking about those benefits um, that hemp provides in foods, um, together. And that, you know, that should enable us to to shout a bit louder and get that awareness out there. Um, so we are working on that kind of thing in the background for sure. I think, you know, we want to, we're always, you know, we always think it's cool when another brand is using hemp in food and it's great to partner with them and and try and, um, make people aware of the, the benefits of having that ingredient in there. So, um, so that's definitely something we can do to, to raise awareness. Um, and then we'll, we'll hopefully grow from there. Yeah,
0: because I mean, like, there's not too many companies utilizing hemp hemp in their food for some yeah. of the reasons that we already touched on. Is kind of yeah. some like adhe- associated risk with doing so. Um, mm-hmm. So rising tide lifts all boats. So that's that's good yeah. to hear. Yeah, and there
2: and we keep seeing more and more, which is really cool. Um, you know, I think when we first started, we struggled to find many, and in the last few years, there have been quite a few that have popped up that are starting to do it. So. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really that's exciting, um, and uh, and I think as you said, um, rising tide lifts all boats, and that's that's definitely the approach that we're all going to be taking together. Yeah,
0: for sure.
1: So yeah, shout out, shout out to our uh, our hemp warriors and in, in hemp foods like grounded foods makes delicious cheeses, Catalyst Creamery down in Tampa, um, fellow food scientist who is beating the drum on hemp and, and making really some of the best plant-based cheeses out there. Um, Seedly in New York, let there be hemp chips. Like there's some, in the last couple of years, we've really dialed in some good products, hemp way foods, good seed burgers. Like you can make a whole meal, like you can have a great hemp cheeseburger. There are some people doing hemp bread stuff and and finish it off with a, a nice hemp sundae and, and you're good to go.
0: Yeah. We'll have to, uh, I've seen some, um, I guess like, ho- I don't know really what the business is, but it's basically people who will infuse a whole meal and come to your house and serve like a party essentially like a mm-hmm. catering service that is all infusion. And so you okay. don't even need any THC or other cannabinoids, just all hemp based products. Uh, so we need a, I need a local chef around here to start, start throwing parties. Uh, <laughs> all yeah, I, foods.
1: Was, <laughs> I was just I thinking I need, I need to find like a base in i don't know denver or los angeles or san diego and just do like a cool hemp foods barbecue where we have like hemp burgers hemp cheeseburgers hemp ice cream sundaes the full thing and then we can have like a happy hour with some sort of infused beverage and the whole evening of hemp
0: yeah that sounds good. Let me know when that gets planned. I'll I'll take a trip out.
2: There. <laughs> yeah, we we should uh, we should get working on that. I'm sure there might be some people listening who might uh, know a space where we can put that together. So that would be cool. Let's let's work on that. Yeah, yeah. I know in
0: Denver specifically, like consumption, like yeah. licensed consumption lounges are are starting to get rolled out. Uh, in Massachusetts mm-hmm. specifically, that's right around the corner for for stuff like that. So I think the venues will be there um, for that type of thing in the near future.
1: Awesome. So that's exciting.
0: Um, cool. So we'll, we'll wrap it up there. Any other, uh, kind of parting words or, uh, anything that, that you guys want to wrap up with?
1: Go find some doozy pots to all your listeners. You know, we, we love to hear from customers. Um, i not supposed to pick favorites like picking a favorite child, but, <laughs> um, when we've been demoing our banana cinnamon date flavor has become a cult favorite. So it's a, banana gelato with, um, really nice cinnamon from burlap and barrel and a date syrup swirl. So it's, people say it's like a cinnamon roll or banana bread or bananas foster. Mm. Um, and then chocolate mint chocolate chip is my ode to my childhood favorite. Um, so instead of a green mint chip, it's a dark chocolate base with some organic peppermint in it. And then really nice chocolate chips. Um, And having your own ice cream brand means you get to make your own favorite flavors so that other people can enjoy them. Um, And so right now those are probably my two, my two go-tos.
2: Okay. And I would just say, I echo something you said earlier, actually, which was um, hemp hemp is not a gimmick. Um, It's genuinely something that can make many different products across many different industries better for people, better for planet. So that's why we're using it. And that's why there is plenty of applications out there uh, for hemp. So go eat more hemp, uh, wear more hemp, build with hemp, uh, all of those, all of those good things. And then of course, most people are aware of the, the other uses as well. So mm-hmm. um, that's, that's what I'd say. Yeah. Hemp is here to stay. Awesome.
0: Yeah. Thank you both. So in the, in the description of the video, I'll put uh, the store locator on your site is really nice. Kind of allows you to just dial into wherever you're at or where you're planning to be in the future and and find some stores. So is that updated on a regular basis? Like if someone sees that, okay.
2: Yes, it is. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I'll put uh, the website link, the store locator, social channels. If anyone wants to find you guys on social media, they'll be able to do so. Um, And just thank you both again, very much for your time today. It was, it was great learning more about the process and kind of behind the scenes of of the start of the company and, and uh, what it takes to kind of have a frozen hemp product in the market.
1: Thank, Thank you, you very so much.
2: much. This is great. Thanks for having us and keep doing the great work you're doing. We love it.
0: Thank you.